Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. You are listening to the Trek Ranks Podcast, a member of the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network. This is episode 97, featuring the top five high-concept TNG episodes. Welcome, Star Trek fans. I am Jim Morehouse, and I am the host of the Trek Ranks Podcast, and tonight we are going high-concept as we return to one of the original series of shows that we that we've done here on Trek Ranks. We're doing our top five high-concept TNG episodes. And by high-concept, we're talking about those episodes of TNG that can kind of be summed up with one big idea or or maybe a little bit of a concept that pushes the boundaries a bit, but really comes down to one big original idea that can, that can easily be explained. But there's also like the big sci-fi ideas as well. So we're going to talk about more about that in our prime directive segment of the show and let's see so previously we've done high concept voyager episodes that was episode nine and then high concept enterprise back in episode 27 so this is actually the longest gap we've had in our series of shows that was two and a half years ago but we're finally getting back to it today and to help us run through this topic returning for her 10th appearance on trek race she's in double digits it's our friend claire litter Sorry. <laughs> it's our it's our friend Claire Little, not Litter, although she does have a cat. Welcome back, Claire. Hello, thank you for having me again and again and again. Good to have you. And our second guest is most definitely someone we've been trying to get on for a while. She is the perfect guest for a TNG topic because she is uh, really known for her TNG fandom. He's a renowned Trek podcaster, currently now at the UFP, United Federation of Podcast Network, from our friend Bishay Matala. And she's a teacher of young minds in the Vegas sector. It's Amy Nelson. Welcome, Amy. Well, Jim, thank you so much. Yes, I have been wanting to come on, begging and pleading, and finally, your grace has shined upon myself. So thank you. I am excited. I've been waiting for a TNG topic. We finally have one. I wonder what our last TNG topic was. It was a, it was a while ago. But as I always say, ske- scheduling is hard. Hardest thing about uh, a podcast. So, Amy, for our first-time guest, we'd like to get a quick Trek origin story. I know a lot of our listeners probably know it because they've heard you elsewhere. But what's your Trek backstory and how would you get into Trek? And what, we already said your favorite series, TNG, I'm pretty sure. Have you seen it all? What's what's your uh, what's your Trek story? Well, I started back in high school, and my mother actually said, hey, you might like this show. And I sat down. It was a Sunday night, and I did like the show. So I watched it through high school, took a little break, and then picked it up when the DVDs for TNG came out in 2000. And I bought every season. I was so excited. I even started reading books. I went to the library and I read every TNG novel that my library had. And I've just been watching it and loving it since then. I got really big into it again with podcasting and have been on lots of shows. And I just, I love talking about Trek. That is awesome. So the books too, I love that. So I'm going to put you on the spot. What's your second favorite series? 
Oh, gosh, darn. <laughs> um, I'm going to, it's actually Enterprise. I Ooh. just finished a DS9 rewatch, but I still prefer Enterprise over DS9. Fantastic. I love it. All right. Well, this is going to be an awesome topic. So let's get into our Trek Ranks recalibration. What are you recalibrating? Everything. Um, it's, it's a sweeping, uh, a recalibration of all systems. As regular listeners will know by now, general order number one here at the Trek Ranks podcast that we love Trek. We love to rank Trek via some deep dive topics just to get the conversation started. And remember, it's not about the ranks. It's just an excuse to talk about Star Trek. And as our good friend, the Vulcan Master, likes to remind us each week, the main driver for all of our discussions here at the Trek Ranks podcast is... Infinite diversity. In infinite combinations. No wrong answers. It's not about being right or definitive in any way. It's just about sharing the things that we love about Trek. And we love it all from TOS to TNG, straight through to Enterprise and the Kelvin timeline. And now Discovery, Short Trek, Star Trek Picard, Lower Decks. It's all fair game here on the Trek Ranks podcast. And one final reminder that we use episodes as a shorthand, but the 13 films are always in play as well. Although technically today, it's just the the four TNG films that are in play, along with all of the TNG episodes. You know, Interface, Net Access, Channel 90. And you can find Trek Ranks on the Net Access interface links at trekranks.com. You can contact me directly on Twitter at trekranks or at Enterprise Extra. You can also call and leave us a message with your own picks at 609-512-LLAP at 609-512-5527. Claire and Amy, why don't you guys let everyone know how they can get a hold of you on the net access interface, Claire. Uh, I am on Twitter. I am Isolinear Chick. That's C-H-I-C-K, not Chip. Uh, that's how you can find me. Perfect. And Amy, how about you? I am also on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson. All right. Okay, we're going to skip our diagnostic cycle and we're jumping straight into our prime directive to talk about high concepts. I do not concur with your captain's decision. She's following our prime directive. Define prime directive. Okay, so Claire and Amy, I want to hear from you guys on how you approach this topic and what you think of when you think about high concept as a topic and and I know, so we, Claire and I actually have talked about this, and we talked about this on our previous high concept shows. It's kind of one of those weird terms that, if you look it up in the dictionary, it means a simple idea that you can kind of explain in one quick short sentence. But beyond the official definition, people kind of think of it as a big sci-fi idea, or not necessarily sci-fi, but a big concept idea where it's kind of original and unique. So we've kind of had a mix of ways people have approached this topic on the show. So, Claire, let's start with you. What? How did you cut through this topic, and what do you think of when you think of high concept? So my first thought was that it would be sort of like a Venn diagram between hard sci-fi, things that play with form or expectation, and things that basically blew my mind when I was a kid watching this series for the first time. Um, it turns out that's like the complete opposite of what the term actually means if you were to work in the film industry or, I guess, if you were writing a book and pitching that. But uh, yeah, I, I went with the cerebral idea. And half an hour ago, I was like, uh, crap, do I need to <laughs> completely change my list? Oh, I hope not. So 
Never. I did not. <laughs> you, you can do whatever you want on Trek ranks in terms of the topic. Uh, okay, so you are going with the big sci-fi mind-blowing idea. I love it. Uh, how about you, Amy? How'd you how'd you cut through it? Well, Claire, I love, first of all, when you said Venn diagram, as I am a math teacher, and my head just instantly popped up a Venn diagram. I'm like, oh, she's beautiful. Excellent. So I, too, also went with this new way of thinking. Like, my prime directive is, like, exploring possibilities never before thought, and advanced use of technology or like maybe combining randomized together that still work and complement each other. So that's how I'm visualizing what is a high concept. I love that. That is really good too. I think I'm in my past episodes, I, I went more the way you guys went for this one. I've tried to be a little more literal and I tried to make sure that that the plots of all of my picks could easily be described in one quick sentence, but also I can't help but think about big ideas and big, big sci-fi premises as well. So I have a little bit of a mix. Some are both, maybe, maybe some uh, are one or the other. And I ended up with a long list and I decided to help myself narrow this one down. I've never done this before, but now that we're 90, what, 97, 96 episodes into Trek ranks, I decided that I am going to do only episodes that I have never personally picked before on Trek Ranks. So, and I've picked a lot of TNG. So I was thinking, let's try to, let's change it up a little bit that way to help me narrow down my long list that I had originally come up with. So all five of my picks tonight, I have never picked before in 97 episodes of Trek Ranks. So that's going to be kind of fun for me. And all right, let's do this. Third Amonoclon, introduce us to the order of things. I am a Jem'Hadar. He is a Vorta. It is the order of things. Thank you, Third Amonicon. As always, a quick reminder on how we're going to go through the order of things. First, everyone will start with their five-word summary and a hashtag to tease their pick. Then we'll each reveal our top five high-concept TNG episode and the specific reasons we're highlighting it. And at the end, we'll ask everyone for a few secondary systems picks for the for the picks that just missed our list. And as always, if we have any duplicate picks, make sure you listen for the Defiant Torpedoes. Uh, okay, Claire, let's kick this off with you. What's your number five pick for your top five high-concept TNG episode? So first off, I love that you went with only episodes you've never mentioned before. Um, I have a really hard time. I, I try to do that because I've been on the show a lot. I don't want to just talk about the same things over and over. Yeah. But I think with my number five pick... I'm queuing you up for the next episode, actually, which is top five times Claire has mentioned the Royale on Trek Ranks. I am praying that you picked the Royale. So I was like really hoping you did. Okay, good. Well, I did. So my five words are how to escape from escapism. Hashtag, it may get better. So I love this episode, like unrepentantly, number one. But also I think it, it really plays with genre expectations in a way that doesn't really break the fourth wall. I don't think TNG had been around enough as a series to really do that. And it's also not something Star Trek really does, but it's pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah. I mean, it's very much about how corny and cheap and lowbrow and kind of niche a lot of genre fiction tends mm -hmm. to be. And a lot of, a lot of outsiders tend to view it as that. 
And it also points out how like weirdly judgmental genre fans can be. Uh, Picard loves Dixon Hill, but is the first person to sneer at how bad the uh, Hotel Royale novel is. Which it like, was a dark and stormy. Yeah, <laughs> like Dixon Hill probably sucks too. If you're not into Dixon Hill, it just sucks differently when Picard likes it. Um, I love Dixon Hill. Don't get me wrong, but I also think it plays with the idea of you know. Like all Star Trek fans probably fantasize a little bit, at least, about the idea of getting to live in Star Trek. But in reality, when you get to live your escapism, it may not actually be that great. It's like eating your favorite food every day for the rest of your life, which I don't know. I kind of think I might be able to do that. But if I was tested, maybe it turns out I wouldn't. Also, I just love this episode. And it's, for whatever reason, just sort of captured me and... um Again, it feels very, it feels very much like something that you would see published in the 1930s issue of Amazing Stories or something. It's got this sort of old science fiction, mm-hmm. you know, feel to it to me. Yeah, I was, I mean, I was really hoping you were going to pick the Royale because it, I like that meta call out because it is kind of not only with the the black space and just the revolving door, but but Picard reading the book to me is such a meta moment. He just grumbles at uh, how how awful it opens. Computer, locate and display. The text of the novel entitled Hotel Royale by Todd Matthews. Accessing. If the cause of the difficulties is in the novel, we may find the solution within its pages. Ah. It was a dark and stormy night. It's not a promising beginning. Amy, what's your take on the Royale? That is a very interesting pick. And as you were talking, I was like, okay, can I fit this into high concept? And for me, it totally fits because you've got this alien who's setting up and thinking that this is what real life is based off of a novel and how crazy it is to have to go to the novel to find the solution for them to get out. So that's pretty awesome. I love it. It is such a cool, unique idea. And I will say that, as you said that about it kind of being a little bit of a play on reliving the, the same thing over and over again in structure and eating the same meal, that's kind of like what Trek Ranks is. <laughs> it's like every episode of Trek Ranks is exactly the same, and I am a creature of habit, and I love it, and that's what, and I can totally live in Star Trek uh, every day for the rest of my life, no issue, and eat the same meal. Okay, I love that concept. Uh, Amy, how about you? What is your number five pick? Okay, so my five-word summary, double vision, not by foreigner. Hashtag, (laughs) it's opposite day, yay. I mean, nay. And my pick is time squared. Oh, yes. Good one. I really like this, first of all, because it's just so crazy for Picard to see himself six hours in the future, and they have to try and work and try and figure it out. But when they try to revive the future Picard, Crusher gives them a stimulant, and it has the opposite effect. And they're trying to start up the shuttle pod with this power inverter, and it doesn't work. So then they do the opposite And that's what gets it to work. And so they're trying, I just love that they have to think outside of the box. And then the same thing with the vortex, when they're like, oh, we have to get away from the vortex. 
but it's actually going through the center of the vortex that makes it all work out. So it's like just doing the opposite and trusting that that's going to work. I love that idea. I I love this pick. It was it's on my secondary systems and it was and it's one of those ones that I consider but I've picked it one time before mm. in our in our bottle show so I didn't uh, so I ruled it out but it it's it's high concept and idea but it's also like the simple piss like Picard meets his future self. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh awesome awesome such a, I love this episode. I think it's totally underrated. Claire, what's your take? Uh, it's also on my, it was on my short list of other like additional episodes as well. And it's, it's a surprisingly creepy episode. Yes. I mean, yes. uh, Patrick Stewart plays the future Picard. It's really disturbing the way he can't speak. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, it works. It's very good. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, creepy, disturbing, high concept. Love it. All right. This is cool. So my round five pick is also TNG season two. So round five is all season two of TNG, which is totally underrated and underappreciated season. Mine, this one is a little bit more straight up, uh, quick definition, high concept, five words and a hashtag, exciting taste of Klingon culture, hashtag one or both. <laughs> and it is a matter of honor. And the high concept pitches Riker goes to serve on a Klingon ship. So not necessarily the biggest sci-fi idea ever, but I love this episode. I've never talked about it. And it's actually the first time it's ever been picked on Trek Rags, which is surprising. But I, the thing I love about this episode is that it came out in like 1988. It's early season two. And I think people forget that this is one of the first real in-depth looks at Klingon culture. And it's, you know, it's got everything from Riker gorging on the food to just the excitement of how he adjusts to being on a Klingon ship. I love the command structure there and how he has to deal with the insubordination right off when, when, uh, Cargon, the captain, says, I think this is your first command decision. And he just punches Brian Thompson as, as Clag. I love that scene. And I think the script is super clever all the way through where it shows him being loyal to the Klingons all the time without breaking his oath to Starfleet. It's just a smart, smart, fun, groundbreaking episode. You're not worried about my weakening, are you? <laughs> Look around you. There are no old warriors. No, sir. I'm sure they all died with honor. Exactly. You may live long enough to learn about us. Mm, He is not very attractive, but I will have him. (laughs) They are inquisitive. They would like to know how you would endure. Endure what? Them. One or both. <laughs> and I'll I'll say this too. It's also this is before Ronald D. Moore's influence on Klingons, which I obviously love. I love Ronald D. Moore and the Klingons, but it's a, it's different. It's less of the honor stuff here and more kind of cutthroat Klingons. So just a cool episode directed by Rob Bowman. And first time it's been on Trek Rank. So Claire, what's your take on a matter of honor? It's a great, that's a great choice. Definitely the, the sort of official definition of um, yes. high concept. 
Also, it's got Mendon in it. I Mendon. love Mendon. It's <laughs> awesome. The, the Benzai. Yeah. Amy, how about you? That is an interesting pick. And I was, and when you said that, my first thing is Wesley and Mendon as well, because I love their interplay between them and Wesley trying to learn and, and Mendon trying to learn the structure of the enterprise. And that's running parallel to Rikard trying to figure out how a Klingon ship runs. And Riker just fits in so perfectly. I absolutely love it. Jonathan Frake shines in this episode. Yeah, there's no doubt. So, so much, uh, so much good stuff from Riker. Just chewing the scenery, to say the least. Uh, okay, let's go to round four. Claire, what's your number four pick? So my number four pick, we are sticking with the theme of Riker chewing the scenery. And I, mm. I say that it's a good, I say that That's it's a good, good thing. Yes. Yeah, it's, it really is. Five words and a hashtag. Let me out of here. Mm. Hashtag McDonald's aliens are creepy. It's frame of mind. Yes. Uh, I, I had to include at least one Brandon Braga episode on my actual list. I think most of my secondary systems list is Brandon Braga episodes. Uh, but I wanted to choose one that I hadn't talked about before uh, on this show. Again, it plays with, you know, you don't know what's real throughout the whole episode. Even even every time I rewatch this episode, even knowing what the actual explanation is and what's going on, I still find myself questioning, like, you know, is this real? Is Riker hallucinating? Has, you know, the Enterprise entirely been a dream this whole time? Even though I know what's up, it's very effective. And... It's also, I mean, the, the shatter, the shatter effect mm -hmm. of the screen happening several times. It's one of the most uh, sort of uh, explicit, I think, examples of Star Trek just doing a questioning reality episode. I mean, they've done several of them, but this is the most uh, dedicated, I guess, to that, that concept, I think, that Star Trek has maybe ever gotten. You're becoming agitated. You bet I'm agitated! I may be surrounded by insanity, but I am not insane. To me, it works. I, I just didn't know what was going on at all the first time I watched it. And like I said, even watching it on repeat, it, it still works. I, it summed it up exactly. This is one of those ones where, I mean, I've literally seen it a hundred times. And there's still moments where you're just like, wait, where? What's happening? What's the next thing? Could you, yeah. It's so such a great puzzle. It's so cleverly told. It really is really super original and super high concept and there will be more Brandon Braga episodes <laughs> in, uh, in in this uh, episode of Trek Ranks no doubt about it I love Frame of Mind I have never thought of those guys as McDonald aliens I hate you for putting that in my head <laughs> they are though <laughs> I guess they are it's annoying uh, Amy <laughs> what's your take on Frame of Mind this is awesome this was on my uh, short list and it is crazy because you just don't know if you want Riker to believe that he is in the same asylum or is yeah. he really just seeing Crusher and Worf come to rescue him and he just goes back and forth and you are on this roller coaster ride right with him and still that very last scene where he goes and tears down the, the set is still chilling to me. It's so powerful and it just, everything gets described when he's smashing down that set and what it did to him. It's, yeah, chilling. 
That's such a great point. You can feel it in the last scene where like he's affected by mm-hmm. it. like it's it, he's not he's not over it. And and even when he tears down the set, he's still gonna be mentally affected by it. It's really cool. And that's kind of what makes me you know, again, I I believe the explanation, but the fact that he continues to be affected by it, that 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 puts more doubt in your mind as a viewer because people aren't really affected long term by much on TNG. <laughs> right. Well, I think that's kind of a that's a shorthand for somebody because you know you're not gonna it's not gonna be talked about in the next episode or any next episode, but it's a good shorthand ending that kind of emphasizes the impact of it. I think. Yeah. For for a show that obviously wasn't gonna go there, so because of the time that it was made. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, Amy. How about you? What's your round four pick? Okay. So my five word summary. Old dude explores in reverse. Hashtag Barclays not the weakest link. And my episode is nth degree. Yes. (laughs) Oh man, so good. So this episode is written by Joe Minoski, and I'm gonna say it's not my only Joe Minoski pick because he definitely does high concept very well. Yep. Um, I love seeing Barkley gain some confidence, even though it is from this alien (laughs) flash of light, but he is just so confident. He is willing to even make moves on Troy. He goes and is like, well, I need to build, let's just have the computer fix the uh, Argus array like this. And Jordy's like, well, that can't be done here. Well, then I guess I'll just go make it and goes to the holodeck and just takes over everything, builds this amazing, and how beautiful is that set and the special effects with all the lights going into his head, and he just looks so powerful and masterful, and then poof, it's all gone. So sad, but I think it's pretty awesome to have that switch of character, and to see that in Barkley is just awesome. I love the, your five words and a hashtag, the old man exploring in reverse. <laughs> Brilliant. That, uh, this is a, this is such a high concept. And yes, there will also be more Joe Manoski, uh, picks for sure. Mm. Uh, him and Braga are the kings of this. Claire, what's your take on the nth degree? Um, as a kid, I, I, my mind was blown by the idea of these guys exploring, but never leaving their home. Mm-hmm. That just was like, well, I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> it's just uh was really really captured by that and i i love the cytherian i think he's adorable and i wish we got to spend more time with them contiguous <laughs> yeah. external integument <laughs> interrogative <laughs> it's so good so so good mm. amazing high concept super super original idea we love barkley awesome pick okay so let's move on to my round four pick Five words and a hashtag. This one is definitely sci-fi high concept. It's also a good one-line high concept pitch. Five words and a hashtag. CSI holodeck detective work. Hashtag computer remove the forge. And my one-line high concept pitch is the one where Jordy is turning into an alien. It is Identity mm. Crisis from season mm. four of TNG. First time, again, this is the first time this episode has ever been picked on Trek ranks. It's a super cool psychological horror homage. This is a Brandon Braga script. And two things that I love about this episode. First is the 
is the really cool head-to-toe blue light alien makeup that was created for this. The ultraviolet effect is just so impressive. It works so good. Uh, Michael Westmore, just absolute top of his game for me in terms of the the way the way this episode uh, looked. And then that super cool forensic holodeck detective scene from LaForge as he's trying to kind of solve the mystery of how people are disappearing and what's going on in this scene. Just classic Brandon Braga kind of piecing together everything with the with the cool lighting and the computer directions. And and I love that it's uh, one of my favorite Brian De Palma movies is Blowout. And it's a total homage to uh, kind of the the way that movie, uh, the climax of that movie. Super cool. Brandon Braga, amazing. Uh, Amy, what's your take on Identity Crisis? I love this episode. And if you don't mind me going into teacher mode for a oh, moment. Oh, please do. I use this scene where he's on the holodeck and he's trying to figure out where the shadow is coming from. Like, where is the light source? What is this shadow? And he specifically tells the computer to extrapolate and continue because he has the recording, but he wants to continue and the computer does that. And that is all math. And it's like when we do regressions. And so when I have my kids like plot data points and then make a regression so that they can predict the future. That's exactly what the computer did after it stopped recording. And it said, there will be a, a plus or minus 10% error, whatever in its you know predictability. And he's like, that's okay, still run the program. And so then he gets to see past the recording time. And right. I just love the math application in that. So definitely high concept. Oh man, that is so cool. It's been like 35 years since I've had a math class. So I really, <laughs> really appreciate that lesson. <laughs> um, Claire, what's your take on identity crisis? I, I also love this episode and Amy, that was awesome. I would like you to have been my math teacher. <laughs> uh, this, I, I like vividly remember watching this episode when it first aired when I was a kid and being like freaked out, but also totally engrossed in it. And, and yeah. That holodex recreation scene, it's engrossing, even though on paper, it's maybe not, you know, it's not an action scene or something, but it's so, it works so well. And, and the final bit, when you see that fuzzy humanoid shape, it's just, you get chills. Like it's, it works so well. It's an excellent episode. And I'm surprised no one's ever mentioned it on this show before. I know it's crazy. Well, I mean... It is, it is a really underrated episode, and it's Brandon Bragg is just on all cylinders, just clicking because that that forensic detective work. I mean, we just talked about it like four times. It's super <laughs> smart, super engaging, super creepy, super well shot, amazing trek. We love it. Okay, let's go to round three, of the soup round. And now, as I'm sure that somebody out there has said, it's time to pay for the soup. Claire, what's your number three pick? Uh, so my five words are, how do, how do Temerians do math? <laughs> Hashtag, it's a metaphor. <laughs> and my choice is Darmok. Yes. <laughs> is an episode that I actually have some issues with. But what I have issues with are also what I like about it, I guess. Um, the way that it plays with language and culture in a really unusual, I guess, at the time, maybe way. 
is what makes it so good. But it's also one of those episodes that is, you can't think too hard about it <laughs> because then it starts to really break down. Like, I don't know how Temerians express engineering drawings and metaphor, for example, or a warp drive, or I guess math or anything that is a concrete, non-abstract, math can be abstract, but you know what I mean? Like something that isn't, you can't, I don't know how you would use metaphor to explain those concepts in a way that is consistent and, and doesn't uh, introduce ambiguity, I guess, into what you're saying. But it's also makes it really cool to think about. Um, and again, the first time I saw this episode, it, it really made me think to introduce language and culture instead of technology or a physical incompatibility as the reason that two alien species would have a hard time communicating with each other. It was just really new and original to me. Tumba, his arms wide when you gave me the knife and the fire. Would that mean give? Temba, his arms wide. Darmok, give me more about Darmok. Darmok on the ocean. So to me, like it, it fits in that Venn diagram. I guess it's not necessarily hard sci-fi in the in that it's not science or technology that is sort of the point or the plot piece of the episode, but it's, it's sort of the, uh, I don't know, the linguistics equivalent of hard sci-fi. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just so Star Trek and you can kind yeah. of high concept it by, you know, the one where Picard's one-on-one -on -one with an alien on a planet or the one where he has to learn to communicate. So, right. And, and it's sort of after the fact high concept where but in that, you know, I think even people who aren't that familiar with Star Trek have heard Dharmaka Talad at Tanagra. Yeah. Just sort of thrown out there. It's become kind of a pop culture phrase. And it's, I mean, and it's, Really, it's one of the best episodes of Star Trek ever for all of the things that it evokes from you, all the emotions and just the, and just the, the way the story is told. Obviously, you, you can't get too, you can't overthink it too much because then you start. But, but I think it, it does, it is good to think about these things. This is something that like SETI researchers spend just as much time thinking about how would we communicate with aliens or how would we even recognize communication? Yeah as they do trying to actually find the communication or, you know, make sure that the, so it's like, there, there is just as much about anthropology and, and linguistics and that side of SETI as there is the sort of purely scientific parts of it. I, I, I'm going to ask the math teacher, where would Darmok and yeah. uh, an arrival fit on a Venn diagram, arrival movie? <laughs> where would they fit on a Venn diagram? Anyway, Amy, what's your take on Darmok? This is, yeah, a wonderful, wonderful episode. Again, also written by Joe Manelsky. Yes. And uh, it was on my short list as well. I love the struggle of them learning how to communicate and their universal translator doesn't work. So they really have to think about it. And I just love when they... Troy and Data finally get to figure it out. And then Troy's explaining it, you know, Juliet on a balcony. And you wouldn't know that unless you understood Romeo and Juliet. Uh, it's just wonderful and makes you think, again, that high concept, how would you do this? It seems like a very simple concept for just using your words, but then using symbolism instead is just super high concept. And I love it. Yep. Well said. All right. What is, what's your super round pick, Amy? All right. Well, my five word and hashtag, Wesley, you're good after all. 
Hashtag shrinkage. <laughs> My episode is Remember Me. Yeah. Everybody knew what it was from that, from that yeah. five words. <laughs> but what an amazing high concept with Crusher going through and losing everyone and trying to convince everyone, or especially Picard, you know, Deanna Troy, your ship's counselor and O'Brien, Jordy, and she's just going through and being so logical. Why are we on this huge ship if there's only the two of us? And Picard's like, well, we've, the computer runs everything. We don't need anything else. I mean, the explanation that she gives and the explanation that Picard gives is just logical and then we have the high concept crusher quote that everyone loves. If there's nothing wrong with me, maybe there's something wrong with the universe. View screen on. It's not just people. Everything is disappearing. Computer, what is that mist I'm seeing? Sensors indicate it to be a mass energy field 705 meters in diameter. It surrounds the ship. Affirmative. There's nothing wrong with me. Maybe there's something wrong with the universe. And I love that she also remembers from season one with the traveler. And she's like, my thoughts created this universe. Can they get me out of it again? And so it's just this flash of an idea and it changes everything. She's able to escape. And I love Remember Me. It is fantastic. It was definitely on my short list. Such a, I mean, it's total high concept in every definition of the word. And the, I love, I'm a huge Traveler fan. So I totally stand Traveler. Love him. Uh, Claire, what's your take on Remember Me? Uh, it's also on my short list. And the only reason I didn't include it on my actual list is because I have picked it before. <laughs> so I'm really glad you picked it and talked about it, Amy. It's a, it's just all around a great episode. Yeah, it is. It is. It's actually one of the most popular episodes on Trek ranks. It gets picked a <laughs> lot as, as it should. Uh, okay. Well, let's close out the soup round with a Darmok sandwich. Five words and a hashtag, Picard, Dathan on the ocean, hashtag children of Tama. Uh, I'll just add one thing about this because I had Darmok as well. Again, another another Joe Minoski pick. That One of my favorite things about this episode, I think it sets up, I always laugh because it's at the beginning. Could, you could not have a line of dialogue in Star Trek any more opposite than speaking in metaphor with Picard's first line to the children of Tama is... Captain, would you be prepared to consider the creation of a mutual non-aggression pact between our two peoples, possibly leading to a trade agreement and cultural interchange? Does this sound like a reasonable course of action to you? Oh. <laughs> and that line is, I just, I don't know why I think that's so funny, but he, it's so, it's such a diplomat thing to say and could not be any uh, more incomprehensible to the children of Tama and their metaphors. And it makes me laugh. And I think it's a great setup for the episode. Captain, would you be prepared to consider the creation of a mutual non-aggression pact between our two peoples, possibly leading to a trade agreement and cultural interchange? 
Does this sound like a reasonable course of action to you? Kader beneath, Momata. In winter. Anything to add on Darwin before we move on? I just love that we both chose it, even though we had basically the opposite approach to this episode. Yes, of, that of is, uh, how to pick a high concept. That's that is cool. that is true, and we I have to give a shout out to Paul Winfield. We can't talk about Dharma without yeah. talking about how awesome so, Paul Winfield is. And sorry, Amy, go. So, Jim, this means that you've never chose. Darmok before? I was just about to say that. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Somehow I have never chosen Darmok, another one of the more popular episodes on Trek Ranks. Yeah, that's nuts. What it's canceled Trek Ranks. Jesus. <laughs> that is terrible, Morehouse. All right, let's go to round two. Amy, what's your uh Claire, what's your number two pick? My number two pick, uh, five words are strange new worlds on demand, hashtag contiguous external integument (laughs) i also chose the nth degree yes (laughs) um but i chose it not as much because of super genius barkley although i do absolutely love super genius barkley uh but more because of the cytherians and just the the that idea of instead of going out and exploring of bringing things to you and exploring and having it be really benevolent even though, you know, 95% of the episode, we don't know what's going on. Barkley has essentially taken the, uh, the ship hostage and it, it seems like a very bad thing that they're going somewhere and it's, you know, everyone's about like on the verge of, you know, dying and then the enterprise stops moving. But it turns out that it's entirely benevolent. It's just sort of maybe could have been smoother. <laughs> Yeah, right. right. <laughs> but but the the motives were benevolent, and once they get there, the Cytherians are just like these gentle, genial, you know, people who are happy to to chit chat for ten days. And I just, as a kid, that had not that that was just like a really uh, new approach to exploration, and that idea of you know instead of going out and traveling to somewhere, it's sitting in a library approach. Which it's weird that I didn't think of it before because we didn't do a lot of traveling when I was a kid. So I was very, very into reading about things. So I'm not sure why I hadn't made that connection before, but I hadn't. And uh, I don't know. I just love the Siberians. I love that guy. I wish we got to spend more time with them instead of just that like, oh, 10 days later, we left. Bye. (laughs) Interrogative. Yeah. I just, he's the the greatest. (laughs) And I love a Barkley episode. I mean, there's no such thing as too many Barkley episodes. Yeah, so with this, you know, I'm glad that you have this one as well, because I talked about the special effects with Barkley and the lightning and him in the holodeck. But also, I mean, they travel to the center of the galaxy. I mean, that's pretty high concept to go to the center. And we all of a sudden there's this old white haired bearded dude and he's nice and jovial and is explaining things and you know, but it's like they send out these probes and then bring the information to them. Like you said, that is just a very different approach to quote unquote traveling. So yeah, great pick. Yeah. yeah. And we, we're talking about the special effects, the the way they portray the Cytherians. 1991, that's a pretty great effect in the middle of the bridge with this big glowing head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really, really very cool. Great episode, another Minoski. Okay, let's go to 
Amy, what is your round two pick? All right. Five word and hashtag. It's like day and night. Hashtag multiple data streams. And my episode is Masks, another Joe Manowski. Yes. Yes. Oh, man. (laughs) Incredible. Okay. When you asked me to come on, this really was the first episode to pop into my mind, but I'm choosing it number two. It right from the beginning, you know, you're going to be watching a high concept episode because we've got Troy and Data and they're in the classroom sculpting clay. And Troy says, how do you convey your feelings in a sculpture? And Data says, how can I reproduce a sound with clay? Like, so we're already trying to go from the concrete to the abstract, right from the opener. And then we get this whole wonderful Brent Spiner episode with him portraying multiple characters and this Masaka and who is she and all of the characters, Iha and Corgano. And they finally decide to just go with the flow. The ship gets transformed. And then it's this beautiful symbolism of the sun and the moon and being chased. And and Masaka just, you can feel when she says it's difficult to brighten the sky forever. And Masaka is one who's feared. And to me, like I have, I live in Las Vegas. So that sun beating down on you, that's Mm. something to fear. (laughs) And so (laughs) I totally get the idea of the sun and the moon and how the moon puts Masaka to sleep and just go to sleep. And I just love, love, love masks. Absolutely. Oh, brilliant pick. Total high concept in every way. My favorite thing about masks is, I mean, because it's bonkers. We know that. And it's <laughs> beloved for being bonkers. But I like that Data's the one that this that experiences this entire civilization through him. Mm-hmm. So that he gets to get it's a little bit of that Pinocchio realization. He gets to he may not know what it's like to be human, but he gets to know what it's like to have kind of lived or been part of this whole civilization. It's uh that's coming out through the that library. Incredible. Uh, Claire, what is your take on mass? I'm so glad this got chosen. I thought about <laughs> including it too. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's one of those episodes that is, like you said, it's bonkers, but beloved for being bonkers. Yeah. But I feel like it's sort of like the Royale in that everything that some people may criticize about it, that can be what other people love about it. And mm-hmm. there's, so much to unpack and unravel. And you're right, Amy, there's like, there's a lot of genuinely interesting, deep stuff. And this episode has just also got this really unusual kind of all this other stuff going on. And it's, it is, it's never boring. No. Always interesting to watch. <laughs> a good choice. The palm frond budget for this episode must have been through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> And Brent Spiner just goes for it all the way, you know, full credit to him. Yeah. Somehow, I think, makes it work. Uh, okay, awesome pick. Let's close out round two. I love this episode. It is number 24 at Trek Rank, so it's super high. I cannot believe I've never picked it. And it's only been picked one time before on Trek Ranks. 
Five words and a hashtag. Rube Goldberg time freeze puzzle hashtag. He kept talking in one long uninterrupted <laughs> sentence. It was really quite hypnotic. And of course, it is Timescape from season six of TNG. Well, it was a little better at the physiognomy workshop. Dr. Fassbinder gave an hour-long dissertation on the ionization effect of warp nacelles before he realized that the topic was supposed to be psychology. <laughs> well, why didn't anybody tell him? There was no opportunity. There was no pause. He just kept talking in one long, incredibly unbroken sentence, moving from topic to topic so that no one had a chance to interrupt. It was really quite hypnotic. <laughs> And that scene, by the way, was picked in Scenes in a Shuttlecraft by our friend Matt Hansen. So I, I love this episode. I don't think it really says anything like some of the best Star Trek episodes that are out there. But for me, it's just a cool, original sci-fi concept. It's the one where the Enterprise is stuck in time. And it is a Brandon Braga script. And it's just exciting and fun and I love these crazy scenarios where, I mean, you're, when you're going through the episode, I, I had Rube Goldberg in my five words and a hashtag. It's like, how are they going to, Beverly is getting shot by a face. Yeah. The ship explodes. We saw it. How are they going to get out of this? Just clever and cool and fun, major high concept. I love it. Brandon Bragg script. So uh, Claire, what's your take on Timescape? I'm glad you included it. It is. A, yeah, it's definitely a, it's a really fun, memorable episode. I saw someone cosplaying as the cloud with the smiley face drawn yes. in it a couple yes. of years ago at STLV. And I, I definitely scared the woman who was cosplaying as it because I like ran <laughs> towards her loudly going, oh my God, I have yeah. to take your picture. She was really nice. Once I calmed down, it was fine. But <laughs> it was, I had like a visceral reaction. Um, uh, yeah, it's a super fun episode. Um, yeah. Amy, what's your take on Timescape? Jim, I am so glad that you chose this episode. I didn't even think of it. And then when you said it, I was like, oh my gosh, of course. This is absolutely high concept. So fun for them to try and figure out the mystery and why is it frozen and Oh my gosh. And then, yeah, exactly. I remember seeing that uh, cosplay with the smiley face in the cloud. That was really quite brilliant. <laughs> Just absolutely wonderful. I, and again, with time freezing, that just makes your brain go, how is this possible? How is this possible? Love it. Yeah. Classic Braga. And like I said, I don't, if someone has an idea of what this episode is saying, please tweet me. Cause I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it, I just think it's a fun it's adventure story. It doesn't really say anything. No. Okay, let's go to round one. Claire, what's your number one pick? All right, my five words are dream or reality or simulation. Hashtag computer and program. I had to pick ship in a bottle. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great pick. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've chosen ship in a bottle on the show before. I, I love it. I love, like, honestly, most Barkley episodes, I feel like, fit this topic because he kind of attracts the hard sci-fi nerd vibe. Yeah. But I, I specifically want to talk about the very end. 
so like the whole episode is fits the my what I was going for with high concept. But to me, the very end when you realize that you know Moriarty and Countess Bartholomew are going to be living the rest of their lives in this little memory cube, and they have no idea that they never left the holodeck. Mm-hmm. Like they just have no idea. But it but it's it doesn't feel like they got tricked. It feels it's it's honestly. Um, I mean, it's kind of wonderful. They get to go and explore and be happy together and somewhere and sit on a shelf somewhere for, you know, however long. And that just, again, it just blew my mind as a kid. (laughs) Um, And, you know, it's like they're locked in a dream, but it's the perfect dream, but it's a dream where they think they're awake. And so is it sort of like an afterlife for a hologram? I mean, like, wow, there's, you can really kind of, just keep thinking about this. I have, <laughs> um, <laughs> but but also I think like the like nth degree. Um, once you understand the character that's been sort of positioned as the villain, once you understand their motives, they're really not a villain. Like Moriarty just wanted to be free. He was sentient. He was entirely self aware, yeah. and he didn't want to live in a memory bank anymore. And he does end up living in a memory bank for the rest of his life. But it's he's not alone anymore, and he's not restricted anymore. It's a and he gets the entire galaxy to explore. That sounds pretty great. <laughs> if you ask me, that's pretty awesome. It, it's pretty high concept. In my, yeah, my... And, and, and I mean, Barkley, ends, he ends the episode with computer and program. But right before that, it's another example of Star Trek getting as close to a wink and a nod as they get. Uh, which so is, you know, true. Yeah, all this might just be an elaborate simulation running inside a little device sitting on someone's table. Like, <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> I, I dig that. I am a sucker for that. And speaking of that device, Claire. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah, I got one. <laughs> I thought she meant. I thought she meant the device, which was a TV. No, so I, was I like, have. Yes, oh, no, like I happen, I, yes, I happen to know that you you have that as a collectible. I do, and I don't have the real screen used one or anything no, like that. But uh, some somebody on Facebook was it makes them, and it's and pretty it's, cool. It's the the cube itself, yeah, and the little mechanism that it sits in and the whole thing lights up and i had been wanting one for probably 25 years so <laughs> a very cool prop collectible yes. amy what's your take on shipping a bottle that is a great pick i that was not on my radar at Me all either. so well mm-hmm. done i agree with you that the sincerity of the enterprise crew and what they're doing to help moriarty is just you know, comes from the heart and they're trying to fulfill his wishes. They can't make him materialize in the real world. So they set this up. I love that their heart is there and that they're willing to even spend any amount of resources, time, you know, to make it happen. And yeah, you're right. That last line with Barclays, like end program. And it just, that's the point where your brain goes off and is like, am I in a simulation? And it just, it sort of makes me remember men in black with the galaxy around the cat's collar. And it's like, is that where we are? Are we just in this little (laughs) box where, what is real and what is not? It's awesome. High concept. I love it. And a good five, six years before the matrix. (laughs) Super cool pick. I was not on my radar either. I love that pick. Awesome. Amy, what is your round one pick? All right. So my five-word summarine hashtag, ever warp to the edge, hashtag warp me, 
Warp Me Not. And I'm choosing where no one has gone before. Oh, cool. Yes. So again, I think, well, because I chose Remember Me, like the two traveler episodes, two out of three. That was going to be my first comment. Another traveler. (laughs) Yeah. And so again, I think this just really fits my definition of high concept because we are combining propulsion with your thoughts and where the thought is the essence of where you want to go, what you want to do. And then they all of a sudden travel. And again, the special effects are amazing for its day and age. And we get to a galaxy that's 2.7 million light years away. And then they go to the edge, which is 20 gazillion. I don't know what I didn't have that in my notes, but (laughs) it's way far. far away. And then we get these visions where your thought starts to bring to life what you're thinking and Worf with his pet Targ and Picard almost stepping off of the turbo lift into space. Uh, We get to see his mother drinking tea in a corridor, which we all know is strange, but we just roll with it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I like that idea that your thoughts really are so powerful and we're not reaching our potential with our thoughts. And I think that's what this lesson has to teach us. I absolutely love that Wesley is on the verge that maybe we could one day be like this, where our thoughts and propulsion can take us to places where we can think something and it's going to happen. It's just mind expanding. I love this episode. So well said, mind expanding. This is like the first episode of TNG where you really were like, oh man, that really is some cool Star Trek, cool sci-fi. They just absolutely nailed it. It's like, I think it's like, the fifth or sixth episode of the first season. Mm-hmm. And I love, I'm glad you mentioned the Wesley part. To me, that's my favorite part of the episode is when he pulls Picard aside and says, Hey, Wesley's special. And mm-hmm. just be aware of that. And that's cool. And to me, that forgives everything that comes after when it comes to Wesley and some of the criticism he gets. I love, I love that moment. It's a great, great first season episode. Claire, what's your take on where no one has gone before? I totally agree. I'm, I, this one d- didn't get onto my radar, uh, so I'm really glad you included it. Uh, it's a really, uh, it really feels like Star, Star Trek or Next Generation has sort of like it's arrived on the scene. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely am in the school of thought that you should absolutely watch season one, even the bad episodes, because they're really, except for Code of Honor, there really aren't any bad episodes. There are just some that aren't just maybe not as good. But I would say this is definitely the first time that it feels like TNG is telling its own story and it's like stepped out of the original series kind of shadow. And it's like, this is what TNG is here to do. It's here to tell some pretty cool sci-fi, like just it's going to the edge. It's going, yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it's great. It's one of the, it's like the first one that doesn't really, and I'm saying this, and this is going to come up again at the end of the show, but it doesn't really feel like a TOS episode the way that Code of Honor and, uh, naked time and even encounter Farpoint when you meet Q, omnipotent being, they, they all have those kind of elements. So. Yeah. Which so, is funny because I believe that this script was meant for the next phase. So it still has oh, the TOS oh, well, there you go. script, but they do it so nicely and uniquely. Yeah. Because it's so high concept. Yeah. 
and the special effects are so original and cool. Yep. Awesome. Okay, that wasn't on my radar either, so I love this. This is why we do the show. Okay, my number one, I'm going to guess my number one is not on your guys' radar. Okay, before you say anything, yep. my fingers are crossed that you are choosing a specific episode, and if you do, I'm going to like mail you fruit basket. I don't think it's going to be. I, this is a deep cut. I'm su- kind of surprised it ended up as my number one, but you'll understand when I talk All about right. it, why I picked it, my five words. Let me know if it is. Five words and a hashtag. TOS preservers seed the universe? Hashtag. That's my headcanon. It is season six, TNG, the episode The Chase. Mm -hmm. And it's the one where they explain why every race looks humanoid. And it's the first time it's ever been picked on Trek ranks, which, again, is shocking to me. Wow. So I I think the the one thing I've always said about this episode is that I I wish it was a (laughs) two-parter. I I think it would be really remembered as one of the all-time epics if it was if it stretched it out some of the sleuthing and with the Cardassians and the Klingons and some of the stuff going on and the great stuff with uh, Professor Galen and his death. If it had been two parts, I just think this would have been a really epic, amazing episode because it I just always feels to me like it goes behind too fast and they're cramming too much in. But having said that, I love the forensic mystery. I really like the message of this what it says about Star Trek and all these different alien species that we've known for, for, you know, at the time, 30, 35 years that, that beyond the fact that we share, you know, certain DNA markers, you know, the vast majority of them are bipeds. And at some level, you know, we, I get, they said it in the episode the quote is something of us in each of you and therefore something of you in each other. And that is what Star Trek is all about. I just really love this episode. And I'll say there's one big reason that it ended up uh, in my number one spot. And that is the, the last scene in this episode, which I had forgotten about until I did my research. And it's Jean-Luc having this really quiet, private conversation with the Romulan commander. That they've been having their little cat and mouse with among, along with the Cardassians and Klingons. And the Romulan commander in private says, Captain, my ships are leaving orbit for Romulan space. Until our next encounter. Until then. It would seem that we are not completely dissimilar after all. In our hopes or in our fears. Yes. Well then, perhaps one day. One day. All I can think of is that's pretty much where Star Trek Picard had their beautiful jumping off point with Jean-Luc helping Romulans and defending them and calling them his friends. And that's just really, I thought that was really cool. So I moved it into my number one spot. Guess what? This is Joe Minoski. So uh, Amy, what's your take on the chase? That is, I'm so glad you chose that because I thought about that one as well. And I was like, cool. Oh, I can't choose all Joe Minoski. <laughs> 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 but I love the mystery too. And again, looking to the stars and having the star charts map out and be a puzzle piece to the DNA. Like cool. how mind blowing is that? So and yeah, that beautiful message that we are all the same, that we're all, we have parts of each other and we 
yes, come from togetherness and why are we fighting and all this crap that doesn't even matter and that we can come together and be united and are basically a family. That's what we are. And so, yeah, I absolutely love that you highlighted that and so glad that you chose the chase. Yep. So Star Trek and I'll give uh, Ronald D. Moore had a story credit on this as well with, with Joe Minoski. Um, Claire, what is your take on the chase? Uh, it is a great episode. I'm, yeah, I'm very glad you included it. It's one that I think about a lot. Like, I feel like I, I'm surprised that it hadn't been chosen before because I do think it's one of those episodes that Crazy. it's sort of, it's, it's, I mean, memorable is kind of a bland word for it, but it's, it's, it's one of those ones that I feel like people do remember. And yeah, it's it got an exciting story. I think you're right that if it was a two-parter, it would just like being able to kind of flesh the story out even more and spend more time with it would be awesome. Um, I, I love the Cardassian captain. Like she's such a, she's such a, she's not a great character. And, you know, she's not a great person, but she's just got so much swagger. Exactly. <laughs> um, There's something engaging and, and, about that character. Yeah. And you don't see, I think it, she might have been the first female Cardassian we see. I think she maybe. was, yeah. Um, so the casting on her was great. Really exciting. Oh, and Jonathan Brakes directed it. I mean, it's yeah. it's a it's a pretty all-star episode. Um, I do want to say, I I was thinking you might actually be choosing Sub Rosa. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> Which was, I was like, hell yeah. It was a consideration. I'm not that brave. I'm not that brave. Well, when I asked you if I needed to really quickly redo my all my picks because I picked the wrong version <laughs> of high concept, if you had said yes, please, Sub Rosa would have been my number one because Sex Ghost is the shortest possible pitch for an episode of television ever. Pretty much the easiest high concept pitch ever. Okay, since you and since you talked about it, I'm going to close it out with uh, a, a little bit of a shout out for one casting thing. Well, first, the guy who played the Klingon, I love him, and he also played Graylick in the episode "The Shipment" from Enterprise. A great character. That's John Catherine Jr. Super cool. But I want to give a shout out to Professor Galen, Norman Lloyd is 106 years old as of this recording or as of the release of this recording. He is still with us. It is absolutely incredible. Wow. Like, uh, yeah. Amazing. It is really amazing. 106 years old. Norman Loy, great, uh, well-respected acting teacher uh, in the business. So, okay, let's go through some secondary systems picks. I got a lot of them. Let's see what you can do with the secondary systems. Uh, Claire, what, what's on uh, your secondary systems? So a lot of the ones, I, I, actually a lot of them got chosen by you guys, which is great. A couple yep. that I did have, uh, I considered Tapestry. Oh yeah, but me too. It's, it was a little too character focused just for me on in terms of the topic of this episode. I love Tapestry. So the character stuff's great, but I just sort of wanted to focus on other things. Um, cause and effect, I did not include because I have chosen it before, but it's another great one. Um, and emergence, which I didn't, it, the topic I think works really well, but the, all the stuff on the train and the costumes and that kind of weird stuff, it's too similar to the Royale. So. <laughs> I was going to say it's the Royale <laughs> yeah, on a train. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I thought you were going to say you didn't like it. I was going to say. No. Say, oh, City. Of course. That's awesome. Emergence would be a great pick. I didn't think of that one. 
Um, Amy, how about you? All right. So I also had cause and effect, but I thought for sure someone would choose it. But <laughs> I, guess I had already picked it, so I couldn't pick yeah. it. So I'm blaming you two guys. <laughs> so the other ones that I was thinking of, the next phase, because I like yes. sort of they're out of sync and they can't be seen, but yet they can still. I, I just think that's pretty awesome, Ro and Jordy. Um, and then where silence has lease with um, Nagilam and yeah. how short, just how mind blowing it is, how someone's just so interested in death and doing all these little games for on the crew and how torturous it is. And I, I sort of like it. <laughs> and then I have, I have picked that one so many times on track. Yeah. <laughs> and then my one that I thought for sure, but I love the concept of parallels. It's one of my all time. Mm -hmm. It's a go-to um, and just the idea of thinking about your choice that you make is actually happening in a different parallel universe. And I love that idea that travel and seeing Worf go through the different universes is pretty darn awesome. Yep, that is major high concept. And that is on my list of, I have about seven episodes I highlighted that I could not pick because of my prime directive. So parallels, Times Squared, which you picked. Tin Man, which I mm, just think a spacefaring yeah. creature is super high concept. The Inner Light, Cause and Effect, A Fistful of Datas. It's only been picked twice, only by me. So <laughs> I uh, I love that episode. I think Data just taking over hologram, like a holodeck like that, I think is super high concept. And, uh, and then for my list of episodes that were in the running, because I have never picked them, my toughest cut, I can't believe I haven't picked this, is Yesterday's Enterprise. It's top 10 wow. at TNG, and somehow I've never picked that. And also remember me and rascals. So mm. it's, it's been picked three times on Trek ranks, but never by me, but pretty good high concept that they turn into kids. And I'm going to give my special shout out to a planet where you kill yourself when you turn 60 years old, half a life. Oh. Has, I never picked it. It's only been picked twice on Trek ranks, both times by Charlene Schmidt. <laughs> so I just wanted mm. to huh. highlight that. I think that's uh, amazing. Okay. Super fun conversation. Great way to jump back into our high concept topic into TNG. We have some amazing stats coming up. One that I just cannot believe. So we're going to get to that now in our regeneration cycle. Computer, activate regeneration cycle. Alcoves beta and gamma. All right, let's go through a recap of our picks. Claire, run down your top five. All right. At number five, we have the Royale. Uh, number four is Frame of Mind. Number three is Darmok. Two is the Nth Degree. And one is Ship in a Bottle. Fantastic. So you had two Minoskis and one Braga. That is fantastic. Uh, Amy, how about your top five? My number five, Times Squared. Number four, Nth Degree. Number three, Remember Me. Number two, masks. And number one, where no one has gone before. So you had two Minoskis and two Travelers. <laughs> 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 and two Picards in Times Square. Um, all right. And then my top five, round five, was a matter of honor. Round four, identity crisis. 
My super round pick was Darmok, round two, Timescape, and my number one was the Chase. So I had two Minoskis and two Brandon Braga picks in my uh, top five. So to break it down, first we'll just go to the Minoski Braga breakdown. It was Braga three, and Joe Minoski led the way with six episodes. So mm. nine out of 15 episodes picked were either Joe Minoski or Brandon Braga. That does not surprise me at all. <laughs> we did have one Rene Echeverria. That's your ship in a bottle. So he would, he'd probably be next on that list for me in terms of high concept. Okay, this season breakdown is unbelievable to me. So I'm going to start. I'm going to save the best to last. That We had one pick each from season one and season seven. We had two picks from season five, three picks from season two, and then four picks each from season four and season six. And the highly regarded TNG season three had zero picks. Mm, my gosh. I would, you knocked me over with a feather. I would have said that is impossible. But maybe when you think about it, maybe those aren't high concept type episodes. I don't know. But I mean, to me, there's no doubt season three is in the running for the best all time seasons in Star Trek history. So that's, uh, that is, might be the craziest stat we've ever had yeah. in our regeneration cycle. Okay. Once again, we have entered a temporal causality loop. So before we can depart, it's time to hear from you. The Enterprise has been caught up in a temporal causality loop. And I suspect that something similar may have happened to you. For this week's Temporal Causality Loop, we're going back to episode 88 and one of our most popular episodes. It was Abstract H, and we got in an awesome voicemail from my friend Kristen Jewell, who is at TrekkieCJ on Twitter, and his list is just full of deep cuts and some emotional personal picks, and I just love this voicemail, so I'm going to play that for you now. Greetings, Jim. This is your friend Christian from Twitter, at TrekkieCJ. I wanted to share my top five Abstract H collection. Number five is the USS Hood, first seen in TNGs at Counter Farpoint. The Hood is a starship that we see and hear from so many times throughout the series that it had to get a mention, in my opinion. Number four was the Horta. Now, the Horta, to me, first seen in TOS Devil in the Dark, they were kind of the first non-humanoid sentient beings, if I'm remembering correctly. So I, in my opinion, they were a very big deal. So they made my list. Number three was Hugh Borg. <laughs> I chose the Picard episode, The Impossible Box, mainly because that hug between Hugh and Picard just kind of wrapped up that relationship for me. And if I talk about it, I'll probably cry. But the character of Hugh has always meant a lot to me. Number two is also a Hugh, but this is Hugh Colbert. And I chose Discovery Season 2 episode Saints of Imperfection with his return. Um, I've got a very strong relationship with the character of Dr. Colbert. And his death and then subsequent return just meant the world to me. And as I told him when I met him at STLV, I can't see him 
and not just burst into tears because he means so much to me. So there's that. And my number one is James Horner, um, more specifically for Wrath of Khan, although the Search for Spock score is just as well a beautiful, beautiful piece of music. But his work um, in Wrath of Khan especially just really made that movie what it was for me. And so I, you know, there's songs on there that I can listen to just as easily as I could listen to something from pop music radio. Well, those are my five choices and I will leave you now. Live long and prosper. I love that voicemail from Christian who we are working to get on to the show at some point. We talked to him about it. Uh, at some point, we're going to get a topic that makes sense. Can't wait to get him on. As you can tell from that voicemail, it was awesome. And I love his list for so many reasons. First, he picked the USS Hood, which is a great deep cut abstract age. He's just like, yeah, hey, you hear it all the time. The Hood. Hordas mean everything to me. So I love that pick. And of course, James Horner was his number one pick. is amazing because of his score. But I love in the middle, he had back-to-back Hugh picks, Hugh the Borg and then Hugh Culver, and they were sandwiched around his mention of the Hugh hug in Picard, which just destroyed all of us, I think. So he had a little bonus abstract H with the, with the Hugh hug in there as well. So thanks to Christian for that awesome list. Once again, those picks definitely good enough to get us out of this week's temporal causality loop. So as always, I want to thank everyone again for all your great responses to the Trek Ranks podcast. So please keep your list coming to me at Trek Ranks on Twitter so that we can retweet them. But we also want to hear from you. So put together your own list of top five high concept TNG episodes or a list from any of our past shows. Give us a call at the Tricorder Transmissions at 609-512-5527. 609-512-LLAP, or you can just record it and then send me a DM and we can do it that way. So hopefully we will hear from you so you can be featured on the next episode of Trek Ranks and on the next episode of Trek Ranks. We are doing what I think is going to be a fun one, especially for an old school Trekkie like myself. I teased it a little bit in the middle of this show. This is not going to be a topic where we pick TOS episodes, but instead is going to be an episode where we pick episodes that feel like TOS <laughs> episodes. So it's totally different spin for us. We've never done a topic like this before. So basically the entirety of Star Trek is available to pick except for 80 episodes and six films of TOS. So it's the first time we've tackled a topic like this. We're doing our top five episodes that feel like TOS. So Claire and Amy, this is a little bit of a tough one. Come up with one off the top of your head, but I'm going to ask you... If you had to pick one episode of Star Trek that you think feels like a TOS episode, what would you pick, Claire? Well, I'm. you know that one of the reasons I like the Royale so much yeah, is because perfect. I've always thought it felt like a TOS episode. But it totally does. It, it, but it works as TNG as well. So, But I cannot pick it because, good God, Claire, have you watched more <laughs> than one episode of television in your life? So I'm going to pick Devil's Due. Okay. That's a great so, pick. I mean, it's... It, it, it works really well with Picard and Picard's style, but come on, you know, Kirk would just go in. He'd probably like seduce Ardra and get her to admit her, her ruse in the bedroom or something, but but I could totally see him taking her on. He's taken on gods before. So 
She's not really a god. That is brilliant, and that yeah. just proves that this is going to be a great episode of Trek Ranks. That's an awesome pick. Devils do, and the Royale, too. <laughs> Amy, how about you? You got one? Well, I think we're all thinking naked now or naked time. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. obvious. Of course. <laughs> so I'm not going to choose that, but it's everyone's thinking it. Um, I really think Move Along Home is a TOS-like yes. episode. I there's no doubt Move Along Home is in the running for me when we when we get to that topic. It's one of the first ones I thought of too. Mm-hmm. Totally feels like TOS, which is why it's an awesome episode. It is. All right, looking forward to that one. Okay, so before we wrap it up, a huge thanks to Claire Little and Amy Nelson. It is great to have you on the show, especially you, Amy, to finally get you on. I want to. Any final Trek subspace communi- communications you guys want to relay before we depart, uh, Claire? Uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Just throwing it out there. Hey, Amy, I am so glad you were finally on Trek Rank. You are awesome. Jim, thank you so much. I really think it's been at least two years. because For sure. We went to L.A. for the Discovery Remember, met you there and then many years at STLV and always like, oh, I want to be on your show. And then you just never give me any love (laughs) Uh, and nope, I'm too busy. And so (laughs) I really do appreciate and the honor is all mine. Thank you so much for asking me and thank you so much for choosing TNG because that is my wheelhouse. That is my favorite so thank you, thank you, thank you. I love it and appreciate your patience. And next time it's going to be a full topic. So you're okay. Gonna to, you're going to have to cover it all. <laughs> all right. Awesome job, guys. That was a fantastic episode. And thanks, everyone, for engaging with us here on the Trek Ranks Podcast, episode 97. As always, I want to close by saying I'm looking forward to standing with you again here in this place where I belong. Emotive. Electrochemical stimulus response. Cranial plate. Bipedal locomotion. Endoskeletal. Contiguous external integument. I'm Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Federation Starship Enterprise. Hierarchical collective command structure. Who are you? Interrogative. I just want to remind everyone again that the entire Trek Ranks catalog is available for you to download and listen to at trekranks.com and on your podcast player of choice. Our episodes never get carbon data, so check out the topics you've missed and maybe just want to listen to again over at trekranks.com. And a reminder to check out our friends Five Year Mission at fiveyearmission.net. They're writing a song for every episode of Star Trek, and you won't believe how great their music is. They also have a podcast at the Trek Geeks Network, so seek them out. You won't regret it. live their lives and never know any difference. In a sense, you did give Moriarty what he wanted. In a sense, but who knows? 
our reality may be very much like theirs, and all this might just be an elaborate simulation running inside a little device sitting on someone's table. Well, we have a newborn star to study. Mr. Barclay, we'll keep that safe. Aye, sir. Computer and program. 